Welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. This is episode 375, reviewing the album Extended Play by the band Reverser that you may or may not have heard of. I have not listened to this yet, and here with me to review this album is my dear friend from the other side of the country, Rich Shaler. Rich, how are you? Very fine, thank you. I didn't realize this project actually had a name or a title. <laughs> It does. Uh, I just going off of the files because because when Nate sent it over to me, I, I don't think it had it in there in the notes. Uh, so, yeah, extended uh, by Reverser. I have before we talked about doing the show, I listened to the uh, just like the intro clip, which was a mashup of the songs. And I liked what I heard, but I heard like five seconds of each song. So I have very little memory of even that. So we're we're going to go into this pretty fresh. Yeah, I've not I've intentionally not listened to any of it at all. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought this might not be a good idea. Like maybe <laughs> I, that wasn't such a smart because here's the thing. I think and Nate right now is listening to it with bated breath, I can tell. But um Nate's my pal. And I don't want to but he also knows that I'm uh, honest. I am not I'm not gonna say I like something I don't like, and I'm not gonna you know, so I started to get a little nervous. I'm like, man, I don't want to hurt my friend's feelings if I don't like it. And not that I'm anticipating that I won't like it, but what if I do? And I was kind of back and forth about it. Then I thought about it. Nate's a good musician. Nate's really good at everything he does. So I'm not worried that it's going to be bad. I don't think it's going to be bad. It can't be bad. Plus, I know the drummer is a high-end drummer. He tours the country still. Mm -hmm. um, so clearly the musicianship is there. So yeah. if I don't like it, it's solely going to be based on taste which is that's you can't well, there's no accounting for taste right, right. There's, yeah it's, it's subjective yeah yeah everything in music is subjective so the worst case scenario i go wow they're really good but yeah i don't care for it and they'll be in good company because there are a lot of bands like that that i <laughs> i can appreciate and say like dream theater they are mm -hmm. incredible yeah don't like a single damn song they do <laughs> right you yeah know? i i don't know their music well enough i know i know that it's jam i absolutely love that but it, on the whole um i don't i'm not familiar and that's weird because they're kind of right up my alley they're so progressive and oh they're uh, over the like top that kind of music frog. yeah but that's not... that might be it it might be that they're too much but before we get into this album rich um tell me about your band my band yeah oh the new one yeah um yeah well uh Upon retirement, I decided to start doing music a little more actively again and uh, grabbed a guy I've been playing with for years, uh, my buddy Bill, um, great guitarist, incredible singer, could easily be the lead singer himself, um, hmm. but we've always worked very well together. Um, I sing whatever I sing, and then he sings around me, makes me sound good. Um, <laughs> but our voices blend really well. From the very first time we sang, like when I auditioned him, we sang together, it was we're like, wow, our voices sound really good together. Um, and then uh, we've honestly, we've been trying to do it. I actually look back at my notes. It was something like, like ridiculous, like 10 years. We've been trying to put together like an acoustic thing, even when we had the other band like on the side. And we had all these guitar players that we tried and just never worked. And we couldn't figure out why, you know, some like they just weren't good enough. Mm -hmm. Some they just didn't mesh. But we realized a lot of what was happening is we were getting solo guitar players who were not wow. used to playing with another guitar player. And so they were trying to fill all the space all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so it just didn't work. Um, and I just happened to be on, you know, some Facebook page, you know, musicians or whatever. 
And I saw a clip of this guy playing. I'm like, wow, he's really, really, really good. And I reached out to him and just said, like, hey, I'm thinking about putting something together. You have any interest? And he didn't really. He's like, I got a lot of things going. I'm kind of busy. You know, maybe we should get together for a jam. And so we got together for a little jam. And uh, it worked from the very first few notes we started playing. Like, we all just kind of looked at each other and went, well, that, that went pretty well. Like, we've been moving forward. And luckily, his name was Bill because um, I had already named the band Double Bill. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, so, But his, yeah, so we, we're Double Bill because we got two bills. And then our mm-hmm. logo's got a big fistful of money because I'm rich right in the middle. Um, yeah. So it's been, it's yeah, doing all the typical stuff, the breweries around here and the mm-hmm. small clubs, a couple country club gigs, key bars, and just having a lot of fun with it. And a little bit of, little bit of everything is, um, I call it the mixtape kind of a um set list because we do a little bit of everything but it's heavy on the classic rock stuff because that's what i sing the best it seems like everyone i know with maybe the exception of towns like uh nashville or vegas where it's heavily you know musician populated it seems like the biggest challenge is not only finding players that are willing to do the stuff that you want to do like whatever type of material but just finding people that can do it, that know how to work in a band, because musicians are growing up solo. We're not growing up playing in bands anymore. We're right. growing up as individual musicians, and we don't know how to work with other musicians. That's very true. I didn't really, I didn't really think about it, but that's true. And that's probably why I have the most luck with finding people of my certain age group. Although I have been to auditions, you know, over the last few years that you know, much younger than me, much younger guys and um, great players. But like you said, they don't really mesh. Like they, they're kind of in their own little island or their own little, um, you know, feel of it. Like, well, I'm playing the right the, the right part. Yeah, mm-hmm. you are. But it's that there's more to it than playing the right notes, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And and I think guitar players, and, and I realize I'm generalizing here, so don't send me a bunch of hate mail, but uh, I think guitar players in general are more geared towards solo playing because that's what's fun. You know, it's like as a, as a drummer, <laughs> we play the beat so that we can play the fill, right? But guitar so, guitarists, I think, practice soloing a lot and become not good at rhythm playing. It's true. And that's honestly, that's why my buddy, my buddy Bill is, is irreplaceable in any band I've ever been in. I call him the utility guy. He's the only person I've ever played in a band with who's happy to be the rhythm guy. He's happy to sing backups. He finds, you know, he finds joy in filling those, those posts that nobody else seems to want to do. And he's always good about finding different voicing on the guitar or trying something different. So you're not just two guitars pounding away at the same thing, unless it's appropriate for the song, but it rarely is, especially in an acoustic duo. It makes it so much more interesting when they're playing different things. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's also really good about letting me, you know, he calls me the producer, you know, those guys know all the music theory. They know all of the the songs they do all, honestly, do all the hard work learning the songs like either, you know, I listen to them and write the lyrics down, like not, not too hard. (laughs) <laughs> um, but these guys, you know, but I'll listen. I'll be like, mm, I don't know. It sounds like something's wrong there. And sometimes it's kind of funny because we'll go back and we're like, they're playing two different chords. Like, hey, how did, we didn't. I don't know how we heard. Didn't hear that. <laughs> like, well, because you're you're in the middle of it. Like, you're not. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm removed from it. I can hear it. Um, yeah. But other times it's just simply like, hey, you know what? There's a cool bass line. Dear Prudence is one we were doing. They were kind of picking it together, and I'm like, 
it's gonna be really hard for you guys to keep that picking pattern locked through that whole song because it's it's a hard song anyway I'm like, and you know, it really loses something not having that bass line. I said, why don't you try playing the bass line on the other guitar? And he didn't. It really works. Having him do all the bass line parts on the other guitar. Yeah. Um, of course, I made his job of singing backups a million times harder. But I, I tell you, you know, people talk about what a great musician Paul McCartney is. They talk about his songwriting, oh his singing. But man, I think one of his best attributes is his bass playing. As, as I've gone back and been reviewing the Beatles albums in, you know, in a more critical fashion than just as a casual listener, that guy, I, I don't know how he comes up with the lines he comes up with, let alone how he plays them and sings so well at the same time. It's it's mind blowing to me. Yeah, no, he's um, without a doubt my favorite bass player. I mean, he just the the melodic style that he has playing um, and and then, like you said, being able to then sing it, you know. Yeah, I mean, even stuff going back to like I saw a stand there. I mean, it's not overly complicated, but it's mm-hmm. it's a fast baseline like to be playing. And then yeah. you were definitely you're you're not singing on the same time signature. I mean, mm-hmm. same time signature, but not the same beats. You know, this is showing my lack of music knowledge to know exactly. What it, but, you know, he's <laughs> singing. And, and then a lot of times he's singing a counter melody to the melody that he's playing. Like, yeah. I just my brain couldn't do that. Like, I I would I would end up fall. One would follow the other. I even get screwed up. Sometimes when I'm doing a three-part harmony with someone, I find myself getting lost and, and following them. Or, so, I mean, talk about somebody who's doing what they were born to do. I mean, the guy is right. just, I mean, I'm sure he worked hard at it. I don't want to discredit his effort, but I mean, the guy was just born to be an incredible musician. Yep. Um, it, it, I would challenge anybody to take any Beatles song, really, and especially the the later ones, and really just focus on the bass, like try not sing along to it or or tap your foot to it. Just really try and follow the bass and listen to what he's really putting into a song. It's astounding. Astounding. Oh, there's some there's some really good uh you know tracks on YouTube where they removed everything with the bass and you can really go in there and really study the bass. And some of them really surprised me. Like, you know, while my guitar gently weeps is really like he's just really hitting that hard, you know? Yeah. Almost like playing it like a guitar, you know, and then mm-hmm. doing a nice, you know, doing a nice little run and then back to like the real heavy, you know, two note, two note chords almost. Um and maybe maybe so that's the trick. Maybe he thinks of bass more as a guitar. You know, he he plays in the lower end range to fill out that part of the right. song, but maybe he's writing more as a guitar player on a bass. He yeah, I mean and he yeah, I, I, and but some of the lines like have n- nothing to do with anything. Like, you know, the little riffing come together and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you listen to it, everybody plays that wrong. He doesn't play. He doesn't do the dun dun do 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 do. He goes dun dun, and then he slides up to that note and doesn't mm-hmm. hit it again, and just finishes it with the slide and yeah. in the next note, which is, it gives the same feel, but. That's why it sounds the way it does. And that's why right. when other people do it, it doesn't sound that way because you, you have to. I mean, he does little things like that, which I'm sure he doesn't even think about. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. in some cases, I'm sure he thinks about it, but something like that, it just is what flows out of what feels natural. Yeah. Um, and that goes back to what we were talking about before. So many people today watch a million videos and they practice and they get good at playing all the right notes and all the right places. But you know, there's a, a local guy here who will remain nameless just in case he stumbles across this podcast. But he um, he is an incredible guitar player and has been since he's a little kid. I'm, I'm friends with his dad and phenomenal guitar player who's got 
zero feel like he'll play like a Van Halen thing. And you go like, wow, he's really good. But then when you just sit there, I'm like, he's on, he's almost playing it too fast. Almost like, look, look how fast I can play it faster than any Van Halen. Well, great. But you're taking all the soul out of it, all the feel out of it, all the, what makes yeah. it what it is. Right. You know, like, do you get that part of it? Like, and I've watched some live videos and it's the same thing. It's like, I don't want to say going through the motions because I think he really is enjoying it and he's into it. It just doesn't, doesn't have that heart and soul and feel, you know, you know, I've had there's... guitar players tell me like what a great guitar player I am. Yeah. And I know like, you know, the blues, basic blues box and that's it. But every note I play, I feel, and I, I make count. I don't, yeah. I don't, you know, I mean, I can do a couple little fast runs, but that's not the way I play. Mm-hmm. It's about putting it in the right place and and really believing and feeling every note that you're playing in it. And that's, you know, yeah. why I think I've drawn to a lot of the musicians I'm drawn to that aren't ne- the Ramones. Perfect example. Mm-hmm. Like none of them are credible musicians or would be considered traditional, incredible musicians. But damn, I love their music because it you can tell it just flows out of them. It's, it's their heart and soul of, you know, um, what they're feeling. Well, I think there's there's also the element of being honest musically. And I think the bands that we tend to be drawn towards are bands who aren't writing to be on the radio. They're not, you know, let's we have right. to do this. We have to do that unless the record company makes them do it. But in general, their writing is honest and it's it's what they feel. It's what they came up with. They didn't say, OK, now how can we make this radio friendly or how can we get a how can we make this work on MTV or something like that? Um I think in the case of at least my taste, I'm not a big fan of shredding guitar players. I I don't enjoy a lot of Eddie Van Halen's stuff because I think he's a very flashy guitar player. And I, I'm not saying that as if it's a bad thing. It's just not what I'm drawn to. And, you know, I, I remember Richie, uh, Richie Blackmore, just he hates tapping. So he just off of that right along, he's not going to be a fan of Eddie Van Halen right. because that's Obviously. a big trick of Eddie's, you know. I just, I I mean, I don't, nobody could say anything's wrong to do musically, because even if something is not harmonic, it might be intended to not be harmonic to create a certain feel. And that's fine. I could just say for myself, other than a couple of albums, I'm not a big Ingbe fan because I just don't like that style of playing. I'm not a big Eddie right. fan because I just, I don't like that kind of showmanship sort of performance. I want to feel something. And the guitar players that I tend to be gravitated to, gravitating to, like, you know, Blackmore, um, definitely Steve Morse, Joe Satriani. Um, and he could be, he could be a shredder sometimes, but he also knows when to, when to lay back. Uh, and I think Satriani's Satriani got more feel than, than the rest of that crew. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to listen to more of his stuff. Cause I know more of his technical stuff. Um, know? I think you have to get away from his solo stuff and go more with, you know, the chicken foot or even like the, the honestly where I first liked him. Cause I've never been a Satriani guy is I listened to him on, uh, you know, the deep purple stuff, the bootlegs. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like him in that band. I think he would yeah. have been a, another great fit for that band. Um, would have taken him a completely different direction, obviously than Steve right. Morse, but, or maybe similar, who knows, but he really, he matched the style. Like he played enough, just like Morse, enough Blackmore, but put his own little bit in there. I'm sure would have more over time. Yeah. Um, but I also have been listening to some, uh, he's going on tour with Sammy Hagar. Right. So him, Jason Bonham, Hagar, um, and Michael yeah. Anthony. And I was listening to some of the clips of them. And first of all, they sound phenomenal together. Like really? that, they really sound good. 
well, I mean, he's played with Hagar before, and I'm sure, you know, Bonham's played with those guys. So it's, yeah. but boy, they sound, I tell you what, I may actually get tickets to that show. That's how good they sounded. Um, but he did some playing in there in some of those clips. I mean, not just copying Eddie, but doing some other stuff that, like, and he can do anything. Like, he can play a lot of different stuff, and there's nothing he can't play. Yeah. Um, very which versatile. I'm sure is why he got picked by it for that tour. Well, and and I have to I have to wonder with purple where it would have really been important. And here's what we're going to see with Simon, hopefully in the coming year. Excuse me. Sure. Is um, what what is the writing like? Because it's one thing to go on stage and play songs that are very familiar. You you know do ninety percent of the classic traditional thing and put ten percent of yourself into it or whatever you do. Uh, but what it's really going to come down to is the writing, and I think that's going to be the most fascinating part about his uh, really about anybody joining a, a more historic band i think with uh with the sammy hagar thing the big question is will david lee roth show up or not yeah i hope he doesn't yeah that's why i mean i, I kind of saw some of the updated stuff where it said um you know hagar kind of step took a step back and was like well, i wasn't inviting him to go on tour with us i was basically saying like <laughs> come to one show and sing a song you know <laughs> yeah that's he's like i already he's like i He's like, I already did a tour with him. I'm not making that mistake again or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I with Simon McBride playing with Deep Purple, I it's going to be very interesting because I know Nate liked the solo album quite a bit. It just didn't grab me. I didn't dislike it. It just didn't it didn't pull me in. Um, I would love, and I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love to see him do some singing with Ian. Mm. Um, you know, even if it's just some harmonies and things that because Ian does those anyway on the album. Yeah. I mean, he could sing them all on the album, but it'd be nice to have some of those live. Mm -hmm. Um, and Don well, actually has a pretty good voice too, because you know, on the when they did the the Machine Head tour, Don was singing some backups on there, and it, they sounded really good. Um, be nice if they did a little bit more of that. Mm -hmm. Um, but who knows? And then I've seen, you know, heard some of the stuff that Don and uh, and um, Simon did together too. And again. Not necessarily my cup of tea, but you know that's you don't have Roger Glover there and and Ian right. Gillen, so that's well, going to change the dynamic. Yeah, you work differently with different people, you know. Like you said about Satriani, his solo stuff is very different from the stuff that he does with with the different bands. Um, I think it's it's going to be interesting just because I, I look at how much they changed with Steve Morse, and now that they've been in that direction for a while. It's going to be interesting to see if they just stay in that style or if it does change because the guitar player is often a dominant writer, but Roger writes a lot of stuff too. Right. You know, he ends he up does. And he writes half the album. Hey, you and I, you, you and I have had that conversation before that he, you know, he writes a whole lot more than people realize he does. Yeah. And in some cases, I think he gets a little frustrated that, you know, he's not given the I don't think he cares that he doesn't get the credit, but I think he dislikes when Gillen gets credit for a line that he wrote, mm -hmm. you know, right. You know, it's yeah. not the, the one he always uh, pointed out to me was it's not the kill. It's the thrill of the chase. He's like, that's mine. That's yep. mine. Knocking <laughs> at your back door. Great song. Yeah. My, my favorite line from him, I think. And I and see, I, and as a, as a listener, I don't know who writes what lines, of course, but uh, the one that Graham confirmed with me was um, I've learned to live with a cloud above my head. I love that line from down to earth. And uh, he said that was Rogers. Yeah, I think Roger wrote a lot on that album. Um, yeah, he wrote most which, of it. Yeah. Yeah, which it happens to be my favorite Rainbow album. So that, that works out well. Yeah. As, um, I, as I have commonly said on the show, I've listened to that album more than any other album I've ever owned. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's definitely been in heavy rotation. Maybe not all the way through, but 
Mm-hmm. The tracks often are always in heavy rotation for me. Yeah. And Graham um, is just the nicest guy. That, that helps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny. I mean, obviously I didn't know that until more recently, listening mm-hmm. to some of your interviews and stuff, but that, that helps. And just watching his posts, um, he is the definition of a gentleman, just the, the, the kindness he showed, you know, former band members, mm-hmm. Joel and Turner, you know, when he, you know, took the leap of faith, faith, faith losing the wig and, you right. know, how supportive he was of that. And, and just, he's just a decent human being. And that last, that last album he put out was, uh, I might be his best. I mean, that was what an album, man. And for, I don't want to say for a guy his age, but I mean, for a guy <laughs> his age to be belting it out like that is no joke. Yeah. And it, and it feels so effortless too. You know, when, when you watch him perform, cause I got to see the grand bonnet band a few years ago here in Vegas and it just, it just feels like he's just there doing his thing. It doesn't feel like he's straining. It doesn't feel like he's pushing or getting tired or anything at all. It's just like, you know, you just walking up and talking and it, it just feels so natural and casual. I'd have to see it because to me, he always sounds like he's one step away from losing it. <laughs> like he's right on that yeah. edge of where his voice is going to crack or, um, yeah. you know, or, but, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 you know, he's never going to tour here probably, but and I have to go to Europe to see him. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. So uh, I'll just we'll just talk about this real quick. But uh, we were talking before we started recording about bands from Europe not coming over here. But bands from America are sure going to Europe. Right. They're over there as we record this. They're over there right now. Well, if you think about it too, though, the travel is, and I've had people tell me this: the travel is much more um, convenient and easy for them. You know, the the venues and the towns and the yeah. countries, for that matter. Mm-hmm. are far closer. I mean, you know, drive through most of Europe, it would take you the same amount to drive through Texas. Right. So you're not, you know, you're not talking multiple days travel to, to from one gig to another. You're talking about overnight and you're at the next gig already. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can hit more places. And if you're playing smaller places, you obviously have to make up for that in volume. So yeah, they're going to have to hit more, more countries and more, more of the towns and cities. Right. I mean, other than Judas Priest and uh, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, the legacy band, I don't know of any European bands that have really come over here and done any kind of touring since COVID. Uh, Maiden, right? Did Maiden? Oh, uh, were they over here? I think so. And if not, okay. they're they're coming. I know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, not any lengthy touring, you know, even Purple just did those, you know, handful of dates or whatever. Or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I'm you know, I don't know enough about the finance order, but I mean, if you look at, you know, the other sh- successful tours here of American artists or any artist for that matter, I mean, you're talking high end, big places, you know, the, the Taylor Swift's, the Pink's, the, you know, Foo Fighters, the, you know, and they're playing stadiums and I mean, to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Taylor Swift could sell out if, if you had a world arena that held half the world, she could probably sell that out at this point. Yeah, he probably she probably could. I, you know what? When I mean, your tour affects the GDP, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, well, more power to her. I wish she would start a record company. I, I, I wonder if that's in her long term plans because sure. I think she would be incredibly fair to the artists because she would be looking at it from a business and an artistic standpoint. Um, I've often wondered why Metallica never started a record company, even for their own stuff. Uh, but I think if anyone does it and could make it work and with the artist in mind, I think it would be her. No. So Taylor, if you happen to be listening to this podcast, which of course you are, uh, well, I, please, I mean, start a record company. I am on it. So there's the chances have doubled that she'll listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, where's the Haskin cat? What bonus episode? <laughs> 
So let's uh, let's talk about our buddy Nate. So Nate from the Deep Purple Podcast, who's been a guest on this show multiple times. We've both been on the Deep Purple Podcast a number of times. It's always a great time to hang out with Nate and John. Uh, Nate has a bunch of appearances that uh, we we still have yet to schedule for this show. But uh, he he brought well, after this after band. this you may not have to. Well, that's true. Yeah, he may <laughs> this this may be the end of it all. Um, so let's talk about this. Reverser is the band. This is what twenty or twenty or so years old, I think. And this yep. album is called Extended Play. It is chock full of five songs. So Extended Play EP, as we might know from the old days of uh, you know twelve inch vinyl or sometimes seven inch vinyls that had you know four or five songs on them. Uh, Boy, I miss those days. I kind of miss, well, I miss things just being on record and that being really the only way we could buy it, except for maybe cassette, but record was always the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that's obviously, that's what I grew up with too. And, you know, again, another conversation we've had a million times and had with Nate too, is um, that you bought an album, at least when I bought an album, I was obviously on the younger side. I, it was a lot of my money or all of my money. Mm-hmm. And so you listen to it and listen to it. And even if you didn't like it, you kept listening to it because yeah. you spent money on it. Um, <laughs> and you were going to find a way to like it if you could like it. So there are very few albums that I bought over the years that I just didn't like and never went back to. I mean, there were ones I listened to more than others. But one of the reasons I loved the Beatles was because I knew I could spend whatever on that and it was going to be good. Yeah. Then it was all going to be good. There weren't even going to be songs I wanted to skip. Mm, there's um, never uh, been a time I can think of where I wasn't a fan of theirs. Like never uh, like, oh, you know, I, that that period of my life, I didn't really listen to them. It seems like they've been one of the bands that's dominated my minimal music listening time. Um, of course, Deep Purple, Uriah Heep, you know, those bands as well. But the Beatles have always been there. Um, what did you learn? about this album from Nate? Um, well, I learned today that they had a name, but I'm, you know, the more I'm thinking about that, I don't think they really did have a name. I think Nate did that because he knows I would make up a name had he not done that. Well, they they have to post it under something. So it's it's available on iTunes and the links are in the show notes. Um, but you, I mean, you have to have a name to be able to post it. So he might've thrown something right. together for that. But uh, yeah, it was he didn't even send that in the notes. Right. So yeah, I didn't get it here. So anyway... Uh, so according to Nate, that this is him and his buddy Chris who plays guitar, mm-hmm. and they met while he was attending. Uh, I think his friend was attending Brandeis because I don't think Nate went to Brandeis. Um, they started working together, opened up a recording studio in Providence in 2000, which I find very interesting. I mean, I heard, heard Nate say that over the years, but I thought it was just like a recording studio in his bedroom. Oh. Um, they met the singer Serena, uh, who worked at a guitar center. Oh. That, that's a common story. Very common, uh, yeah. um, well, they were buying all their studio stuff and they ended up playing some solo stuff with her at some shows. Uh, and then Scott, who is the drummer, is his childhood friend who we've heard on the Deep Purple podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, they played together uh, forever and the three of them were playing as a trio and they ended up joining up with Serena and playing some of her stuff, their stuff, and then writing some material around 2002. Sadly, woke up in 2003. Um, so it's Chris Warren on guitar, Serena Anders or Andres on vocals, uh, keys, and Scott. I don't know if it's Begin, Begin, B E G I N on drums. 
You know, I can't remember. I was trying to think of of when he's been on the Deep Purple podcast, how they... I think they just call him Scott. I think they just call him Scott, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think uh, Serena also plays some percussion as well. Yeah. Yeah, he... Uh, so the only thing I do know about Scott, because I've actually... I think I did see him at least once. I may have even opened for him once, is uh, he plays with a um, uh, a tribute band, plays drums with a tribute band that actually tours kind of a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, why and why can't I think of the band that it's a tribute for? It's uh, I want to say Incubus, but it's not Incubus. It's may as well be because Slip, I don't. Was it Slipknot or no? No, it's uh, like a ska type band. Oh, it'll come uh, to you. They do that song Santeria. They do uh, the wrong way. I can think of the songs. I just can't think of it. But anyway, um, they're really <laughs> good, obviously. And yeah. But I will say this: that I find it. I didn't. I didn't. Was never really into the band. It wasn't really my era. Um, so the fact that, um, they are able to tour as a tribute band to a band that, I mean, they only had like two or three hits and I think their big album came out that had all the hits on it. And then the singer died, you know what I mean? So it wasn't even like they went through, I don't know. I just, I don't get it, but it works for them. Apparently they have their own following now. And, um, I think that's pretty impressive. I mean, it's nice to be able to do music, um, something you love as a living, um, for that long. Yeah, um, and they're, it's they're no joke. I mean, they tour all over the place. It's not like oh, they do like you know New Hampshire and Massachusetts. I mm-hmm. mean, they're they're all over the country, um, and I guess kind of control how much they play and how much they don't play. So good on him for that. I don't know how I feel about cover bands. I mean, to to or I, I should say really replica bands because there's a difference between bands that just play cover songs and and bands that are like a tribute to one band. Right. Um, I don't I don't know that I would ever want to see that. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, because obviously there's plenty of people that do. But for myself, it like like going to the Dio hologram concert or, you know, when when Carl Palmer was going to do that with the LP. Um, I don't know if if I'm not seeing the band. Do I really want to trade my time Uh, for that? I I guess it's not an attraction to me. See, I I would tend to agree with you, but that would make me a liar because I've gone and seen so many Beatles acts over the years. Mm-hmm. I think it's also different when the artist is gone and you don't have that opportunity necessarily to True. see them anymore. So by the way, that the band is sublime. I had oh, sublime. Yeah. That's um, right. I don't know why I couldn't remember that. And I'm sure if Scott actually ends up listening to this, he's probably freak out that I couldn't, that I compared <laughs> Incub- Incubus to sublime, but whatever. Well, I was going to look up the wrong way, but I was afraid of what kind of results I was going to get on Google. So. <laughs> uh, especially if you link it with bad fish. Um, <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, yeah, but I mean, now a lot of the venues around here, that's all they book, you know, a Tom Petty tribute, a Prince tribute, a this yeah. tribute, a that tribute. And honestly, some of them are really good. I, I, I think I even sent it to you guys. Did I send you the, the clip of the cars one? I thought I sent it to you guys. I like, don't think that went to me, no. It was so bad. I mean, I could throw probably us, me, you, and Nate could probably go out and sound more like the cars than these guys did. Like, wow. if you're going to do it, do it right. And so John and I went to go see that Deep Purple tribute. And although I didn't care for them, they were good. It just uh-huh. wasn't. I thought they were too. They did some White Snake stuff too. They're good on like the 87 White Snake. They're just too heavy to be Deep Purple. They didn't oh, have okay. that swagger or blues or swing to me for Deep Purple. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was cool to hear him play some different stuff. And But the opening act was a Bad Company tribute. And like the first song, I was like, oh, this guy sounds pretty good. Like, not bad. And then it was all downhill. Boy, did oh. they 
suck. <laughs> like, yeah, they were bad, like yeah. really bad. Like, I'm like, and again, I'm like, you know, I could throw people together seriously in an afternoon and and mm. pull off a better show than this. Not that I'm that great. They're that they're that bad. Um, but well, again, but, I do enjoy going to see like the Beatles stuff. And but when venues are booking, I wonder these days if they're like what criteria they're using. Are they listening to the band? Are they looking at statistics of some sort? Are they, you know, how are they choosing who comes? And that may have been their first time there too. They they right. might have just. Well, I think or, these guys know. are so established. I think these guys the. Scott's band there, Badfish, are so they've been around 25 years now, maybe 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. They're so um established that I think they can basically just they probably just go back to the venues they play again and again. And I'm sure yeah. they're selling them out. I'm sure they're getting a good crowd every time. So it's it's a no-brainer. But like a new act, I think they're probably looking listening a little bit because you mm-hmm. want to make sure they're not awful. But Bottom line is if you go on their social media and they got all kinds of followers or all kind of engagement on that page, they'll give you a shot. And if you drag yeah. a crowd there, you're going to keep playing. I mean, it's as cheesy as it is for me. First gig we played, a good friend of mine gave me the gig and he did it because we're friends. And I asked mm-hmm. him to and he was nice about it and did it. But we, you know, we drew 70 people to a place that would have been empty if we hadn't done that. Right. And then it fed on itself. So now he basically, I have a, you know, he's told me I got a blank check. Whenever I want to play, I can play. You want to play any Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're here. Just give me the dates you want because he knows I'll bring a crowd for him. And I think that's all the venue cares about. Are you going to put people in my venue? Are they going to spend money? Are they going to drink some booze? Are they going to? So yeah, earn your um, 50 bucks. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, the funny thing now is no lugging equipment like I used to. I carry my microphone on my microphone stand and an iPad. You know, we carry one of those Bose multi speakers. I don't even mm-hmm. have to do that. You know, the guitar yeah. player lugs that in. Two guitars and sometimes a stool if we need it. And that's that's it. Like, and then we're, you know, we're playing our playing times instead of starting at nine and playing till one, we're starting at six and we're done by nine thirty or ten o'clock. I'm home wow. watching the new I'm home watching the news with everything, you know, like and there's no loadout, no load in. Um yeah. most of these places, you know, comp our food, comp our drinks. And then honestly pay me more than I used to make playing with four other guys in a band. Like why, why wouldn't you? Like, I mean, listen, I'm not going to lie. If a a full band came by tomorrow and said, we want you to, I'd probably do it because I really like fronting a full band. I mean, I love it, you know, but you know, I, I love doing this too. At least I'm getting this thing. Mm -hmm. And and I I have to say, Friendship aside, I've listened to to you sing, and you are a very talented singer. I mean, uh, you I don't get that. to Thank go you. sing the national anthem in large venues with a lot of public attention and cameras at big ceremonies if you're if you don't have some talent. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm no Whitney Houston, but I get by. Yeah, yeah you, have, <laughs> you have better hair. I'm uh, also alive. I'm also alive. <laughs> well, you're more of a man than she'll ever be. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So you got that going for you. Uh, yeah, I, I think though, on the flip side of it, playing in a tribute band would potentially be a lot of fun. If you, if you've got a band that has a really good catalog, you really like their stuff, especially if, if they're a band from, you know, the seventies that has a vast array of music that, that they've done that you can pick from. It's going to be interesting because you're doing different things all the time. Um, but I think that would be fun. I don't know about for me going to see a tribute band, but being in one, I think would be fun. See, I'm the opposite. I I think I would jump off a bridge if I had to play the exact same songs again and again and again. Cause any, just like deep purple, if you're playing in a tribute act, 
people are coming to see you because they like the greatest hits of that band or whatever. They're not right, coming, you know yeah. what I mean? You're playing the, you know, an Eagles tribute band, Tom Petty or whatever. And especially something like that, Sublime. They only had three albums. Like, yeah, you, you can't, you can't even really mix the set list up that much. Right. Um, so, you know, it's got to get boring playing the same damn stuff and you can only, and you can only mess with it so much. I mean, at least yeah. if you're like something like deep purple, you know, there's some solo sections you can do different every night. There's some, you know, yeah. just like deep purple does, but you know, something like that. I can't imagine there's a lot of jamming, you know, or if you had an Almond brothers, a lot of jamming can be done, but right. if you're, if you're playing in the band like that, like how much can you really veer from the, the road? You're not, you're just, I, I don't know, just night after night of, Santa Maria, which every bar band in the world plays, you know what I mean? It's it's gotta get old at some point. And until they hand, until they hand you the paycheck and you go, Oh, you know what? I don't have to have a real job. I'm just right. doing this. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but I think purple would be the exception because A, they've got a huge catalog that of, of a lot of well-known right. songs. But you've also got you could throw in a white snake song or a rainbow song, or you know, you, you could do some you could throw in something from the butterfly ball or you know, you you've got a little bit more versatility. Whereas with most bands, you're pretty much they're they're most bands are not, they don't have those tree branches. You know, right. they're like, this is what we did. There you go. And, exactly. and you're kind of stuck with that. But you know who isn't stuck with that is the band Reverser, who we're here to talk about today. <laughs> Just a, a little spoiler alert. On Wednesday, our, our normal episode, Rich will be back. And we're going to talk about a bad company related band. That uh, That's going to be an interesting discussion, I think. But for yeah. now, let's talk about Reverse. So we're going to do things a little bit differently on the show this week. Uh, normally, what I do is I just play a minute-long clip. But since uh, since this is our buddy, and he sent this over to us very kindly, we're going to listen to the whole song. Uh, but because I'm not set up with the vocal compressors and stuff that Nate is, the way that, that they do the Deep Purple podcast, if you want me to stop, just wave at me. All right. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're going to have to do it this way because I have not heard this at all not a yeah. single note same it was same here except for that little uh mashup that i heard that i think was like 25 seconds long uh it gave me a sense of the production and in kind of this the direction of the band but that was really about it so uh our first song is called face shots i really want to oh. know what that means well that I'm could be, be a... oh i'm gonna be good <laughs> well let me ask you rich how much have you had to drink today because that's going to tailor your <laughs> your responses it's... It's too early. I didn't. Uh, I didn't imbibe at all yet today. There so it's probably probably a good thing. Well, I have not had anything to drink today, but I live in Vegas, so there really is no such thing as too early. Um, it's just you know, whenever you damn well feel like it. Uh, so let's check out face shots. Uh, and, and I should say in parentheses, uh, it says full sheet, which I also have no idea what that means. Hmm. So maybe maybe the song will reveal. May, itself you know what? To I'm us. gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stay clean and say. That's like like headshots, like getting photographs done, and the full oh. sheet is the is the full sheet of the of the shots. You know, oh, where you go through be. and you pick the pick them. No, I don't think that's it at all. But that's where I'm keeping it. Well, that makes more <laughs> sense than face shots, like being punched in the face, which is which is where I was going to go with it. Also, yeah, trying to keep it clean. Yeah, not where I was going. No. <laughs> <laughs> when we record this on a Friday night, it's going to be a whole different show. <laughs> Let's check it out. Face shots. Oh, you know what would help is if I actually shared the audio with you. Yeah. Um, so far, so far, it sounds very quiet. Also, Face Shots <laughs> is not a song. Oh, it's it's the cover of the album. 
And so I was right. So you were you were absolutely <laughs> right. And it is literally like strips. So you guys will see it on the thank you on very the socials. Much. Uh you were absolutely right. Uh well done. Well done, Rich. <laughs> well, now uh, he's got to write a song called Face Shots. Yes, I am a professional podcaster. <laughs> um, or I used to be. <laughs> I don't think I am anymore. So the <laughs> first song, the first real song is called Blueprints. And it sounds like this. Master plans and blueprint pages like a stingy man keeps quarters. Okay, I'm just gonna stop here and let's do a, an initial impression. First of okay. all, um, I like the production. I think it's it's mixed well. I love that the bass is very high in the mix, and I love what Nate's playing. Yeah, I gotta say, uh, that was that's my right off the rip is that Nate's bass line awesome. Love it. Um and you know, he and I have talked enough about music to know that he also likes McCartney, and I can hear a little bit mm-hmm. of, a little bit of that in there. But I also hear, um, surprisingly, the Sublime kind of thing, and I can hear that in the drums too. I'm sure, just because we were just talking about it, it's mm-hmm. kind of jumping out of me. But it almost has a little bit of that that era feel to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, as far as the production, it's a little raw, but I mean, it is what it is. It's a, it's a demo. This wasn't a finished album or anything, and right. Um, but yes, I like having the bass up front like that and being able to hear Nate. And, uh, of course, as a singer, that's the other thing I focus in on. And I'm going to put a big black mark on myself for people is that I'm not a big fan of, um, female vocalists. Mm -hmm. I just never have been. Um, it's not that I don't think they're good or anything. I mean, they're ones I love and that I think are great, but I don't, I was, I was thinking about this earlier today. I don't think I owned a single album by a female artist. Really? Yeah. I mean, I had ones that I had for DJing, but I never went out and bought one mm-hmm. for my personal, maybe like a Pat Benatar greatest hits or okay. like a heart greatest hits. And I, sure. I, those are probably the ones I like the best, but even them, like, I just, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's cause I'm a, a male singer and I don't, I can't, you know, I don't know if other musicians do this, but I, I envision myself playing that song or singing that song or like, and I just don't have that same connection to it. I can enjoy it as a song, but I can't enjoy it as, being in it or part of it or um in the same way um i love pink and i honestly i probably would buy a pink album Mm -hmm. um you know if if i was still doing that these days but yeah i just so that it loses a little something there i'd almost like to hear nate sing um oh yeah well it definitely um, this the song has a tropical sort of feel to it right it's got a little bit of reggae in there but I think for for vocals, I think for me, it's more of an era thing. Um, I like some of the female singers of the 80s. Love Heart, love uh, Deborah Harry, you know, Blondie. Mm-hmm. Um, me too. But I think when it came to like the 90s going forward, there was a change in the vocal style of a lot of the female artists where they started singing like this or that thing they do now, which is really annoying. There's like a specific vibrato i'm hearing from a lot of the the female pop stars that i just it just kind of ruins the song for me it's like they're over enunciating everything to try and make it stand out and and that doesn't work for me um i'm not sure how i feel about her voice yet i think yeah i'm not gonna judge it yet but i kind of yeah i want to go in a little bit further because the delivery is a little 
the delivery is a little staccato for me. Like you've yeah. already got the drums kind of keeping that rhythm. I mm-hmm. don't know that she needs to be so strict to it. It would almost, I, I'd almost like it better if she let it flow. And I think that's why Nate's bass line works so well, that it's flowing over the top of the staccato guitar right. and the staccato drums. You know what I mean? But like, I'm, we'll I'm not a fan of Alanis Morissette. I, I for one, no, um, no. I don't really like her voice. It just doesn't do anything for me. But it's more the the song style, like the style of vocals that she has, where you take an artist like Sia, and I think Sia is amazing, absolutely amazing. But uh, I've heard a little bit of Lady Gaga stuff, really like that. I yeah, tried to, to to listen to Taylor Swift, and honestly, I just I don't like the subjects of her songs. Um, and, and the particular like words that she chooses aren't very interesting to me. Um, I, I wish I could like her more, but I just You're I getting, haven't found you, anything I've connected with. You got further than I have, although I have to hear a lot of it having two teenage daughters and a wife that loves her. Yeah, um, very true. I just, it just, I mean, I don't even hear the words. Like I just, mm-hmm. they all kind of sound the same to me. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. strike me at all, but I'm not surprised because again, I'm not a huge female Right. I I will say this, what she's singing here so far, it fits this style of music. Oh, yeah. It's very staccato, but it it does fit the style of music. So I'm going to be curious to see as the other songs, unless they're all in this style, and I don't remember from the mashup, um, maybe she says this, but I'll be curious to see what what other dynamics she has, too. And maybe even within this song. So let's see what happens next. Cats, agendas, unobtrusive and elusive. You know, I, I'm noticing, like, I was going to say when we stopped the first time that the song is very open. There's so much room and everything is is standing through. And now they're playing that long guitar chord uh, that really fills that space up. It's amazing right. how one little change can completely change the feel of a song. Yeah, absolutely. I almost just said no doubt because I was just going to say mm. now it reminds me of no doubt. Like the way she's singing is that same kind of Gwen Stefani. Yeah. Um, kind of no doubt, which would make sense because I think that's right about when they were hitting nerds in their stride, right? Mm-hmm. Or late, late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just kind of has that feel, which quite frankly, I didn't like even when no doubt did it. So mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I am uh I'm Nate, I'm not just stroking you. I really am liking the bass lines in there, and I think that that makes the song. Um, but I I definitely like the uh the bass and the and the and the and the drum groove is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I've I've heard Nate play before, and I, I I can't say I've ever heard him do anything I didn't like. You know, and that says a lot. I am a I, I am a fan of No Doubt. I I really love two of their albums, um, and I've reviewed them on the show. Nate challenged me to go back and listen to their first one, which I still have to do. But uh, I, I liked those two albums. And then, like most bands, I just kind of lost touch with them for no particular reason. Um, I just did. I didn't like that little whiny little girl voice she did in the songs. The You know, mm. I, it just didn't, didn't do it for me. Yeah. Plus, I think just it was, Scott, plus Scott is just not my thing. I don't, 
Yeah, in general, it's not. There was for me too. There, there's something about that band or those two albums that really worked for me. It just, I just connected with them so well. And it might have been the time of my life, uh, or you know, could could be a lot of external factors too. But uh, yeah, those two albums I really dug. But let's see what happens next because we're uh, a minute into the song. The song's a little over three minutes, so we've already heard some cool changes. It's it's already <laughs> had three different changes in the song, which I really like. The that it's not just a here's the song. Right. You know, pretty cool. Cats, agendas, unobtrusive and elusive. Now that you've said that, I'm definitely hearing the Gwen Stefani style <laughs> in there. But you know what I'm what what sh- it seems to me, and tell me as a singer if you think I'm wrong, it seems like she's really sticking to that lower range of notes. She's not uh the backups show that she's got the dynamics to sing right. higher and that. Well, but I was gonna say the one thing song, she's really sticking to that lower register. Yeah, the one thing I I really liked actually that she's done is in that whether it's a bridge or a chorus, but where she she does that climb that and mm. and she kind of away from being locked with everything else. I'm just yeah. and I don't like when Gillen does it either. And John's talked about it too is when he kind of just sticks right with like the bass or the drums or the you know and and kind of mimics the line. I, I I feel like she's over pronunciating it and like I know it's a style. I get it. Mm. I'm not. I yeah. Don't everybody jump on me. I get that she's doing it because it's, it's the style of the music of the song. But I just, that's what makes me not like it is the, you know, like kind of on the beat and overly over you know, pronunciating the words. And it just doesn't grab me. But then when she lets loose with that higher end, man, she got, she got some serious pipes. I actually like the sound that much better. And and maybe though, with her singing the verse so staccato and so right on with the the drums, when it opens up and she goes away from that, it's more powerful because yep. you're you know you're you're locked in that with her, and now all of a sudden it's like open air. Yeah, that absolutely could be it. Yeah, yep. I, I think that's a trick that some songwriters use. I don't know if that was specifically done for this song or not, but that is you know you restrain, you do certain things to make to emphasize the next point. Yeah, that very well could be. Mm-hmm. Wish we had Either somebody way, we could ask. Wish we had work. somebody we could ask. Oh, right, we can ask Nate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's no trader. There's no rebate. No zero APR for one full year. But, but, but. Blueprints, you've read the blueprints, 
you know, I they're really tight musically. Absolutely. Yeah, they're I was I almost well. just saying as you paused it, I almost just went do 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 because that's kind of it was kind of that little piece was reminding me of that song. Can't was it semi charm diner? No, semi charm life. Oh, oh yeah. Um, I do like the music. I I also like uh how they went from the clean guitar sound, which sounded really good. It had nice little slide play at the beginning. Uh, and then going into the distorted guitar, I think this the song really works. Yeah, I, you know, uh, I bet you anything. If um, I heard this live, I would like it better live. Mm-hmm. This would probably have really good energy on stage. Exactly, and I think she probably would slide around with it a little bit more than this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does feel very studio in in that yeah. way because yeah, when you're live, too, a little too clean for that song. Yeah, like when you're live, you do you don't. You're not that rigid, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, pretty good song. I actually like that as an ending. <laughs> I did. I mean, I liked how it went to the acapella piece and then the just little dunk, dunk. <laughs> well, and I, I like the backing vocals too, because it, it really shows she does have a range that you're not, that she's not displaying in the verse. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. No, not, I mean, overall, not bad. Yeah. Again, not necessarily something I would have listened to, but very on the mark for the time. I don't. Yeah. If I, hanging out in a club in Providence and I stumbled across that, I certainly wouldn't have been surprised or disappointed. Mm. So I was very disconnected from music at this time. Um, you know, the era that, that they did this in for me, I was like, I've already picked my bands. If I hear something new that sounds good. All right, great. But I'm one of those people that like, I just like to stick with the things I enjoy. I, I don't want to experiment a lot or, you know, take a chance on wasting time not enjoying something when i could be enjoying something so you can imagine when i go to restaurants i pretty much order the same thing every time (laughs) i go because it's going to be a hit you know um so this era of music is kind of lost on me to an extent because of that although i was working with a cover band doing sound and lights that played a lot of like the cure and different bands i wasn't listening to um, I wouldn't have known probably who Pearl Jam was if it wasn't for working with bands as an audio engineer during this time. But as a listener, very disconnected. Yeah, I was playing in a cover band at this time. And, um, you know, our mainstay was hard rock, classic rock, you know, Aerosmith, that kind of stuff. But, yeah. you know, we tried to keep it current, um, you know, so we wanted to throw some new stuff. And so we did a Pearl Jam song and, you know, Green Day and a few other things, you know, and, and it's funny because like the stuff that, you know, Bush, the things uh, that we thought were in our heads are like, oh, that's current would realize like all of a sudden like, wow, that's 10 years old already. Like, you know, the Foo Fighters, <laughs> yeah. that new that new Foo Fighters song we're doing that. Yeah, it came out 12 years ago. But like to in our heads, like that's still really new. You yeah. know, we, we're playing at 21-year-old kids. We're like, yeah, I was seven at the time. I didn't even know when that came out. Or, you know, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to hear some of the new stuff and did like some of that stuff, too. I mean, I, Three Doors Down, 
you know, Bush I liked at the time. I mean, but same thing. Not not that I would ever sit down and listen to a whole album, but I liked some of the songs. And, you know, that's when I had my first CD burner. So I was burning, you know, mixed CDs of all the stuff I liked off it. And I might find two or three extra tracks. Um, now I, I'm way disconnected. I mean, I'm connected through my kids, but they listen to opposite music that I would listen to. So I don't, mm-hmm. I, you know, too much dance stuff or club stuff that I don't call real music because it's, you know, a lot of computer generated stuff. And, right. but Spotify is the best money I have ever spent in my life because I'll go on three hour, you know, trips where I like start listening to an artist I like. Mm-hmm. And then it says, you know, oh, you trick this one out. I'm like, oh, who's this? Or, you know, this guy played bass with them. And then he went to this band. And, and I, and I just go down these rabbit trails of, you know, 50 bands. And by the end, I'm nowhere near where I started. And right. sometimes I'll I'll actually just try to pick some random artist and mm-hmm. see if I can work my way back to an artist I like. And oh, I don't yeah. use the and I don't use the Beatles because that's cheating. Because yeah. it gives you, you know, it gives you like 10 or 15, like, well, if you like that, you might like this. Mm-hmm. And I kind of work my way steadily back towards that. Um, and that's kind of fun too, because you you see how all these different bands intermingle. And the nice thing about that and Spotify is then I just oh I oh I like this one or oh that's a cool song and just throw it right on my list so I got it for later. Right. So I have these lists of six seven hundred songs of just stuff that I was through Spotify and stumbled across and and found mm-hmm. by accident. Um, so do you find I, that those suggestions are pretty accurate? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. <laughs> I find that it's better when it's, I mean, when it's an artist, I know. So like, for instance, if you did deep purple, it's going to automatically give you, you know, Roger Glover, Richie Blackmore's mm-hmm. rainbow, weight sure. snake, Uriah heap, like all the ones you would kind of think. But mm-hmm. so for me, it's like, nah, I already know all those artists, but I guess if that was your first time listening to deep purple, Uriah heaps, a pretty good suggestion. White snakes, a pretty good suggestion. Rainbow's right. a pretty great suggestion. And mm-hmm. then they have those ones where it's like, you know, deep purple radio and it's all those artists and they just mix them in with a lot of deep purple. So you can just throw oh. that on and have it on the background and be like, Oh, that, oh, who's that? That's kind of a cool tune. Mm-hmm. I don't generally do that. Cause it's usually just the hits. Right. The stuff yeah. I've heard a million times and I don't, I don't want to hear it again. Um, but I have, there've been a couple ones I've gone down recently where I found a lot of stuff I liked. One was, um, like guitar oriented pop, you know, like the raspberries and stuff like that. Bad finger. I love that stuff. And it was newer artists doing that kind of stuff. So I found a bunch of people. I'm like, Oh, they're cool. I like them. I like that band. I like this band, you know, and found two or three songs. And then I also stumbled across a, I think they called it heavy blues or hard blues coming out of Gary Moore. Mm-hmm. And I found three or four things on there. Like I really liked. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not a bad way to discover new music. And honestly, I mean, like we talked about, like I, I was one to go and find a cheap $1 in the, in the, in the dustbin, like, Oh, 50 cents for that. I'll take a chance on that. Or, you know, mm-hmm. two bucks a used tape. I'll try yeah. it just to see if I like it. So I had a lot of stuff I only listened to once or thought I might like. And then, um, but now I can sample as much music as I want. Yeah. But the other side of that is I don't sit down and listen to music critically as much as I used to. And, you know, listen to a whole album sometimes i don't even make it through a whole song i get to a chorus i'm like eh, done with that one next you know well so and, it, and we also live in an age where the one dollar bin is long gone <laughs> if right, i can find exactly. a vinyl for one dollar i don't oh, care right. if it's frank sinatra i'm probably going to pick that yep. up <laughs> all those all those cut out cut out bins over the years that i i mean uh-huh. I, I would grab you know hey, i'll take a chance or 
Yeah. Maybe there's one, but for one song, you're still ahead of the game because singles were more than that. So sure, yeah, I um, had a lot of albums with that little notch cut out of the top corner. Oh yeah, you know, uh, those were the days, though. Really, um, I, I, I think that's the one thing I do really like about these companies like Spotify is that you really do have a great chance to discover bands that you probably would have never come across any other way. And unsigned um, art, and unsigned artists, and like unsigned this, this artists, is the perfect yeah. example. You would, ne- you know, Nate would maybe get these tapes and these CDs out to his friends, mm-hmm. you know, or you know, at best, post it on on the internet and be like, "Oh, hey, yeah. come listen to my music." But being able to throw it up on Spotify and have it available to other people, and if it gets enough listeners or whatever, and I'm sure if you pay money, you can get it. Like, you know, if you like, no doubt, you'll like, you know, these guys, right? Yeah, they I- shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it is just getting on playlists. That's a big way yep. to get out there, and then they use those uh, the metadata to connect you to some of those other bands, but and, and suggestions too. But um, I do think it's a great way for artists to be heard that wouldn't. Uh, it, it's almost like a better version of the PMRC, right? The PMRC. For those of you who don't remember, back in the what was it the the late '80s or early '90s when the Parents Music Resource Center was putting all those labels on records that they deemed offensive that people shouldn't listen to, or you need a parent or or an adult to buy this album for you, kind of thing. Bands that would have never sold more than a hundred records were, you know, some of those bands went gold because just because you said I can't hear them now, I want to hear it. Two live crew. and they were just obscure bands too that no one had ever heard of before it was it was really an amazing thing but i find that that the better version of that would be something like spotify while i'm not a big fan of of how they pay out royalties even though i understand their structure um i i think that it's a great way to be heard i mean i get plays every week that in countries i've never heard of which is awesome because at least i know somebody's listening which is pretty cool. So I'm going to, I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give blueprints a thumbs up. I think it was a pretty good song. Um, Hmm. I mean, I'll give it a thumbs up because I think it's certainly a listenable and, and decent song. I personally, not my musical taste probably wouldn't go back to it. Um, yeah. but I would say if you do like that genre of music, like the no doubt kind of stuff, you'd mm-hmm. like that you'd like that. But I give, I give Nate a big thumbs up for that baseline. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, thank God for Paul McCartney, right? So uh our second so that so there aren't five songs. Hey, watch, four watch, of, watch Nate's gonna be like, I actually didn't play bass on that one. Because <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> like we hired a ringer. <laughs> uh so there are are only four songs because I and I played them out of order. God damn it. Okay. Oh, so, see, now we're not gonna know how it really was supposed to sound. No, we're we're not gonna get the full experience. I'm sorry, folks. Uh however. We can go in order now. So that was actually song three. I had it sorted uh, alphabetically and not by track number, which I, 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 I always do that, but uh, it's with albums I know. So with albums I'm not familiar with, I guess I just need to be more professional. But that's not going to happen today. <laughs> 